Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. We're taking a break from our usual episodic fare for something very different. Podcaster Steve Guerra invited me on his show, Beyond the Big Screen, to discuss the movie Black Robe, set in New France in the year 1634. I hope you enjoy part three of this interview. I'm happy to be joined again by Mark Vinette of the History of North America podcast. And we are going to take a deep dive on the 1991 movie, Black Robe. I really do think it uniquely amongst the movies that I've seen. I mean, this one's going back 30 years ago, but I think it really was unique. It portrayed initially the Algonquins who were, I believe they were hired to bring the Jesuit who they call Black Robe, and that's where the name comes from in the movie, Le Fork was his name, to bring Le Fork to the Huron village. That stuck with me when I was doing a little bit of reading. The Hurons lived, if I'm not mistaken, on the other side of the Great Lakes in modern-day Wisconsin, Michigan area. So that's a lot of traveling that they had to do to get from Quebec City all the way to, at the very least, across the entirety of New York State, the Niagara Peninsula of Canada, through Michigan. They covered a lot of territory. They did. The Huron tribes were scattered throughout Quebec, Ontario, and into the Great Lakes region. The movie depicts a priest wanting or being sent by the powers that be in his religious order to the limits of the Huron nation. That whole voyage is, of course, what we're accompanying the priest on in this movie, but it shows the distances and also the willingness of this religious order and of these priests and these individuals to go about their work which is quite fascinating to our modern senses. But I have to come back once again to the culture shock on both sides, which we should never underestimate. For Mm -hmm. example, the natives in the film cannot understand why French priests refrain from relations with women. They view this as strange and even demonic. On the other hand, the uninhibited, free and natural love practiced by the natives is viewed as strange, primitive and sinful by the priests. Once again, the cultural gaps and misunderstandings were enormous. History irrefutably teaches us that all human beings have the potential of being evil, and when given the power and opportunity, they are. The universal principle of force and might make right applies to all people, cultures, nations, and continents throughout world history, including North America's pre-Columbian societies. This film shows us humanity at all its best and worst. Amerindian way of life was not inferior or superior, it was just different. In certain areas, among certain tribes, warfare and feuding were endemic. Also, aboriginal arrival and presence on the continent had serious environmental consequences. For example, some believe Paleo-Americans hunted certain megafauna to extinction. I invite the audience to check out episodes 3 to 11 of my podcast for more on all of this. Also, in the great unwitting exchange of bacteria, viruses, and infectious diseases that transpired between the peoples of two worlds, unfortunately for the North American indigenous peoples, it was they who got the shorter end of the stick and thus inadvertently suffered most. In the 16th century, Eurasian diseases such as smallpox and measles, which were endemic among the colonists but new to North America, caused the deaths of 90% of the indigenous people, resulting in great losses to their societies and cultures. Europeans thus unknowingly unleashed a form of bacterial epidemic 
to which Aboriginal peoples had no immunity that ravaged the original inhabitants of the continent. After European contact, Amerindians suffered high fatalities of Eurasian diseases. Studies have shown the diseases were likely carried by the increased number of immigrants from cities and nations where smallpox was prevalent, such as France, England, and the Netherlands. The film highlights several tribes that inhabited northeastern North America. There were the Algonquin, part of the Huron Nation, the Montagnais, which were depicted at one point in the movie, and then the Iroquois, the Mohawks. The Montagnais at first are depicted as having never actually met Europeans, so that was a moment of first contact which occurred between those people and them actually seeing Europeans for the first time, and they make some comments about their bearded faces saying that they looked like dogs. With regards to the Iroquois, they are not depicted in a good light at all points in this movie, and there were some critics who objected to that. The main conflict of the movie is this group, Algonquins, who are transporting black robe to the Huron villages. They run into a group of Iroquois, or I believe they call themselves the Haudenosaunee, and it was specifically a group of Mohawks. They were portrayed as very warlike people. Can you tell us a little bit about them? And they are kind of the buffer between the French colonies and the Dutch, because I believe at one time the Iroquois said that maybe they'll just trade La Fork to the Dutch for guns and manufactured goods. So how did the Mohawk and the or Iroquois fit into that situation? Well, at the time, the Iroquois Confederacy and the Huron Nations were enemies. One of the reasons why they were enemies during the early colonization of the continent by Europeans was the fur trade. And who would control the fur trade? who would supply the Europeans with the furs and control of the corresponding territories. With regards to the French living in New France and the fur trade, the Hurons were allies of the French, and the Iroquois thus saw the French as being enemies and saw these Jesuit priests who seemed to be only bringing disease and mayhem wherever they went as the enemy, and that's why they were very belligerent towards them. Yeah, and in the movie, they portrayed their village. They had a massive stockade around their town. They had huge buildings. I mean, it was a very sophisticated setup that they had. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 
Well, the Amerindians of northeastern North America did live in sophisticated societies, and actually some of their government structure was used as a model later on, even in the founding of the United States. So a lot of light has been shed on this in the past few decades, which is something that is to be appreciated not only by historians, but fans of historians, and also bringing to light the positive side of Amerindians to what has not not always been a kind approach when it comes to the historiosity of their culture. I'm definitely looking forward to in your podcast, and it's probably a deep, deep dive, is at some point I'd love to hear and maybe talk about. We discussed in our previous collaboration the movie Apocalypto, which you should definitely listen to that uh, episode as well. But the connections if there was any connections between these cultures of the South and then these cultures in the Northeast, that's got to be a fascinating story. And I don't know how much is even known at this point about any sort of trade networks or um, intellectual passages between the two cultures. Well, we see a lot of that come to light during the American Civil War, which is a lot later than our movie's setting. But during the American Civil War, the Canadian colonies who do a lot of business with the American colonies or the American states at the time, they have to take sides along with the British government. The decisions they make with regards to supporting the North or the South has a lot to do with trade. And was there a lot of trade between the Native Americans of Mesoamerica and the Native Americans of, say, the Northeast of, including Quebec and Southern Ontario and the Northeastern section of the U.S. of the Iroquois that lived there and the Algonquins that lived in that region and the Cree? Well, during the pre-Columbian years, there wasn't a lot of direct trade because of the distance, but there was indirect trade in that items that had been traded in approximate way had trickled down to both cultures. So we find often Mesoamerican items, art and artifacts that are found up in northern North America because they were traded basically from one tribe to the next, from one nation to the next, from one area to the next, and moved their way all the way up to the northern part of the continent and vice yeah, you versa. bring up a really interesting point there of the vastness of this land. Now in just this movie, they go about about 1500 miles approximately and that's really not that far into the continent of North America but in European terms that's the distance from London to Moscow the density in Europe and in the, that section of the old world is so much more and in the North American context it's just so sprawling the amount of land that would need to be covered by both the Native Americans and these French people who are colonizing and spreading into these areas. One thing that we must always remember is that looking back in history, we have to try and understand what these folks were living through. And one of the things that they experienced was overcoming distance. And as you mentioned, 1,500 miles in today's terms can be easily overcome. But back then, it was an adventure of a lifetime when most folks didn't even leave the periphery of their villages. When the director mentioned that traveling from Europe to the Americas at the time of colonization was like flying to the moon, 
I don't think that's overestimated. It's a grand journey. The distances are huge. And those who embark on those journeys and want to meet all the challenges going along, those are a special breed of people, definitely. And the movie, most of their travel is done in canoe. And you just have to think about that. When they're canoeing, everything they need has to be in those canoes. And when they stop, it's not like they're going to be able to stop at a restaurant. It was the very rare native village that they even passed by. They were completely on your own. And I think that probably something like space travel is a great analogy in in that they had to completely take care of themselves at every step of the way. Well, that's why Europeans were so dependent on Amerindians during the first decades and even the first century upon their arrival because they needed Amerindians to survive. Amerindians were used to living in those areas. They had adapted over centuries and even millennia, and they were able to help the Europeans to also adapt and even, in some cases, survive. Join us next time for the final part of this special interview. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you enjoyed the listen. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text history that's H I S T O R Y using the code 30605.